who it's me again it's five o'clock you care what the mainstream media says what's up fam happy friday are you out there are you listening Coming to you live from central Wisconsin, where I have a special guest for you guys here today that I'm looking forward to having you, having, uh, you guys meet and uh, spend some time with today. Donna Brandenburg, who's running for governor of, of Michigan, will be joining us here just momentarily, as you can see on the screen. Looking forward to bringing Donna's story to you about what the shenanigans are going on in Michigan, so stand by for that. You're looking live at the Foxhole.app. That's right, the Foxhole.app. Do me a favor. Tell a friend, tell a family member about the Foxhole.app. We have been banned, demonetized, kicked off. Of pretty much every platform in the world so we created our own platform where we can help support each other and help get the word out there and do what we can in this information battle to help spread the truth and so i'm all i'm asking for is you guys to do me a favor tell a friend tell a family member drop the link into your favorite social media and say hey come hang out with donna brandenburg who's running for governor his on was uncensored Dave. drop the link into your favorite social media right now and say hey come hang out with us i appreciate you guys very much thank you for all your support love and prayers as always a great group of patriots always streaming uh over at the foxhole.app, Night Nation, Philly 369, Salty Nuts, uh, News Time Live, uh, Just Informed Media, 412 and I is still alive, based Amy from across the pond, always doing great work over there. Christina Fontana, based Amy, if you guys remember, is the one who uh, stabbed the uh, Trump, um, giant Trump baby thing at the rally in, in London. Uh, that is based Amy. She's a great patriot. And so lots of great patriots over there at the foxhole.app. Thank you guys for joining us as you guys do every day. And I want to thank you all for being here and helping support as you guys do as much as you can. Thank you. God bless you all. We appreciate you guys very much. Everyone over there on the alternate platforms, as always, are here. Thanks for being here today, guys. All the lurkers on, on Tiger Network, thanks for being here today, guys. Rumble, good, good, good crowd coming, working their way over there in Rumble. Thank you guys for being here today. Hit that plus button in Rumble if you don't mind. I appreciate you guys joining us over there on Rumble. Pretty soon, they're going to be, uh, I'm pretty sure, going to be integrating Rumble into True Social, and that's going to change the platform and change the way we uh, change the narrative much more quickly than a couple hours that it takes us right now. Anyways, Peggy's over there on Twitch. Good to see you. Uh, Twitch crowd working your way in there today as well. I appreciate you guys very much. Everything Uncensored Abe is at uncensoredabe.com. Check out the website when you guys get a chance. You can find the podcast on Podbean, iHeart, Apple, Google, Spotify. Pick one, anyone, the Telegram, and True Social links are up there as well which reminds me i should probably launch the telegram 
uh, live stream. There we go. Good to go. Back live on Telegram now as well. Uh, if you want to watch the show, you can watch it directly from the link on the website. Everything about me, the merchandise, and the 2021 archive blog is something that I, that if you guys need uh, some encouragement about last year after look going through a, a kind of a down year realizing what happened to the election, go through that blog. You're going to find out things are a little bit better than they seem. So things, things are not what they seem out there. That is for sure. Monday through Friday, 5 Eastern, Foxhole, DLive, Twitch, Rumble, CloudHub, and Tiger Network are where you can find the live streams. YouTube, Banda, so be it. Screw them. See you later. Have a nice day. The last two show streams are always up on the website as well as the, as previous content that I think you guys need to see, such as the Nashville. Actually, I took the Nashville down. I got I got reawakened Dallas up and Phoenix up as well as the Wisconsin decertification rally and the the interview with Dr. Judy Mikovits. If you haven't seen that yet, please share that interview. It's such an important interview and it'll make you realize how nefarious our big farmer is right now. If you want to help us keep, help us keep the lights on cash at PayPal and Patreon on how you can do that. We appreciate all you guys for helping to support. And I want to give a special thank you and a shout out to, to Mike Lindell from my pillow who now supports uncensored Abe and all of us here. Thank God for them going out of their way to help support alternate streamers and alternate platforms. They realize that we've been demonetized and smashed down as hard as they can. And my pillow and, and Mike Lindell stepped up to, to help us out. So go to do me a favor, go to mypillow.com backslash Abe over the Memorial day weekend. They're going to have a bunch of specials and a special deals uh, under the discount code Abe. So go to MyPillow.com backslash Abe. You can find the slippers. They got those on sale. They got two for one uh, towels and and pillows and, and all kinds of cool stuff going on over there at MyPillow.com. So check that out when you guys get time. And God bless Mike Lindell for helping to support alternate streamers like us. Without him, man, I don't know if we could be able to do this stuff. F- uh, f- Facebook, True Social, and Gab links are at the very bottom. And how to email me as well as the P.O. Box. Thank you guys very much. That's the spiel. Now can finally join and welcome our guest into the show here today finally it only takes me about full oh, five minutes not too bad glenn thank you for the gold pills uh let's see uh, tam growl thank you for the gold pills thank you guys very much for helping to support us i appreciate you guys very much and with that let me adjust my screen here and welcome our guest in here today uh donna brandenburg who i met in nashville at Threadfest, um is a great patriot and um well, I figured I'd, I'd welcome her in and, and have you guys just learn a little bit about her yourself. Uh, I got a chance to meet her, like I said, at Threadfest, and it, it it was just it's just awesome to be around like-minded people. For me, that's what Nashville was like. Donna, just do me a favor tell tell the audience a little bit about yourself, uh, your history, the kind of the quick spiel that you gave us in Nashville about your your uh, your 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 life through uh, <laughs> guiding you to the to the governorship, the attempted to run for governorship in in. Uh, Michigan. Hi, hi everybody. Uh, it was, it's been an amazing, amazing journey, quite honestly. So I, my background is kind of diverse and, uh, the way, the way that I honestly got called into this, you got to forgive me. I've got two different cold medicines in me right now. So I'm a little loopy because I came down with a little bit of a cold and I reject all viruses. So we're just going to keep going here. And, uh, so anyhow, um, my, my background is very diverse as a business person, and I got asked to run for governor about five years ago, and I said, oh boy, this is going to be your worst choice anyone ever, ever made, just because if something needs to be said, I'm pretty much going to say it. So I thought about it for a long time, really fought with it, and uh, finally I got in my Bible, I got into Jeremiah and decided, you know what, God, if you want me to run, I'm willing and uh, the doors just started flying open. But my background kind of uniquely qualifies me. And had I seen another candidate that actually had 
management capabilities I might not have run. However, uh, there's there's nobody out there that actually has the management skills in order to put this state back together. Yeah, I've I've um, as you know, we talked a little bit. I, I grew up. I was born in Michigan. Um, I have a lot of love, and I have a lot of family that is still in Michigan. And you know, I don't think. Uh, the people of Michigan truly understand how corrupt not just the Democrat Party is in Michigan, but especially the Rhino Party. Tell us a little bit about your your past. What your, how did you? You have a very interesting story that that uh, that you told us in Nashville, and it really was an inspiring story for for other women out there who are just you know sick and tired, and, and the mama bears are really the ones that are saving us. Uh, in this country right now, to be completely honest with you, I know I know you're well aware of all the mama bears, what they've been doing out there, and you're one of them. Tell me, tell us a little bit about your your past. Well, I grew up as a very poor kid, quite honestly. My dad had gravel pits, and he had me filling trucks by the time I was about seven. You know, that's the time that uh, I'm kind of a grandma bear at this point in time. That you know, dad would tell you go fill trucks, and that's what you do. Yes, sir, we go fill trucks, and uh, it worked out pretty well because I would. Uh, be able to shovel a, p- a pile of dirt about five feet tall every day. So when I did get to college, I never had to buy a beer because I could out arm wrestle everyone. <laughs> but I was, I would bring home milk when I was about 14 years old. I mean, we were really struggling. So I decided to go to college. I put myself through college. And today I am one of the only female pipeline company owners in the United States of America working with our company as a union company. And we work in all the oil fields, gas fields across the United States. We do a lot of repair, take up and relay and such. We don't own the pipe. We don't own the product, but we construct. We also have a very large short line railroad. Our building is 2000 feet long by 573 feet wide, total coverage cranes. We work with all the major fleets in the United States. So I have a front row seat into the supply line to see what's going on there and what's not being delivered and also how industrial oversight works and how they're using the NGOs to copyright our laws. I own 130 addresses. I used to be like the HGTV chick. I did all my own construction until I got uh, too busy and such. So now I have a maintenance team and such. I have a tech company. We own a agricultural drain tile company and put in the big agricultural systems across the Midwest. And quite honestly, we've done, we've done work all over the United States with that. And uh, we, I'm the founder of grief and loss today advances in hospice advances in bereavement, as well as we own Buckeye trenchers and we're on the wall working for president Trump. It is uh, you, you are an amazing, inspiring person. I also rescue horses. So I'm sitting in my barn right now. So I built this barn and we have 17 horses. 17 is my favorite number. My little pocket friend here and, uh, and friend flannel Friday, you know, I hear you. It is, um, it's, uh, it, it's been a lot of fun. This journey has been amazing. It's, um, you know, if we if we go back and rewind ourselves to five or six years ago, you know what I mean? If we put ourselves in that state of mind where we were back then to where we are now and how the American people have completely kind of uh, woken up to the world around us and, and not just in America, but really around the world, it's been one heck of a journey, has it not? Oh, my gosh, it's been amazing. Threadfest was totally, totally amazing. I actually got to meet all of my heroes in life that, you know, that I've been talking with online for many years and 
And uh, most of us didn't, I didn't know everybody that was there. That was kind of cool. So to be able to actually meet people that I have tremendous, tremendous respect for as uh, truth tellers, this is a truth seeker D here. So truth tellers and researchers and people who just want to restore the United States of America. When I got in, I don't, I didn't need this job to run for governor. I want my country back. I'm happy pretty much shoveling horse manure in the morning and having a cup of coffee and hanging out with friends and such anymore. So to me, this is a great, a great adventure and having a lot of fun finding solutions for problems, but you really can't make solutions until you understand the problems. And I do believe that God has took, taken me through this entire journey in order to be able to talk about the problems firsthand. The rig is in for 2022 already. They're already rigging it. And what I saw yesterday was another level of the complicity within the state of Michigan government. They knowingly withheld information and ran the clock out. That's exactly what was going on yesterday. I want to talk more about that in just a moment. And guys, I'm going to forward um, Donna's information to Red Pill 78. And Zach has to tell this story because uh, what's happening in Michigan to not just you, but there's 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 people who have a shit ton of money uh, invested in running against you and against, you know, Whitmer. Uh, and the machine is clearly, uh, you know, it's clearly well oiled in Michigan. That is for sure. Um, tell me, go back to after after thread fest you you go back to michigan and you know now it's it's campaign time it's getting out there and talking to the people just tell me a little bit about when you were you know talking to people on the streets or having rallies or talking to you know doing what you do to campaign and getting the word out there what were you hearing from the people on the ground as the as the number one number two number three issues the top issues that concern them as voters and concern voters in michigan the number one issue is the Elections, people are, uh, there's, there's no contest to that. Is elections, they don't like, they didn't like the mandates, they don't like the roads. However, the bigger problem is corruption. And I try to spend a good deal of time educating people on the actual corruption and what's underlying everything. Because when we talk about a lot of the issues, they're only symptoms. If we don't get rid of the corruption, we're dead in the water. And our, like the elections, the elections is, is much deeper than what anybody believes. And we saw this yesterday. We saw it's not, it's not just the political parties. It's not just the corrupt politicians. It's all of it. And they're within the state government. They're within our government. They're within the state parties. I believe the state parties are absolutely involved in this. There was a report of, of Republican assets who were paying these signature gatherers off to stop collecting signatures. Now I'm going to rewind back to February. February, we decided to do this differently. So we hired two companies. We hired one company to start front with, and we primarily hired them because they have the access to voter verification to make sure that these signatures are correct. We have no access to that information. They did. So we paid them to have verified signatures that they were on the voter rolls. So when you go back to February, what happened is all of a sudden 3,000 signatures disappeared of what they were reporting to us. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. How, this, how can this possibly happen? Oh, no problem. We'll make it up. So they, they kept collecting and such. And um, there was no real good explanation. But I can almost guarantee you from what I saw 
it is my belief that that's about the time that signature gathers were being paid off. And what I saw was up to $50,000. This is what was reported to stop turning in signatures. This is a whole racket. This, this entire thing is a racket. The ballot signatures are a racket. So, so we decided to hire another company as a backup to this. So we hired another one and they collected signatures. And we also had volunteers on the ground who were collecting signatures. So we had three sources, right? And um, it, it, it just kind of snowballed. So never heard anything about it. We turned 19,500 signatures in on April 14. On April 19, we did our second drop of 886 pages. Now, not all of them were full. So we estimated that it is 8,000 to make sure we were closer to the truth. Okay. So here comes Monday and I'm on the ballot. I'm getting contacted by the different counties. How do you want your name to appear? Is this correct? Make sure that you send it back to us. So Monday, I start getting emails and texts in saying, uh, you, you, uh, you're going to be kicked off the ballot. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I was never challenged. I was never notified nothing from the state. They, they stepped out around the protocol. So then we get this, this report in. They only had like two examples of two signatures in the report that they sent over. That's the truth. And they said, I only had submitted 17,770, I think six signatures. How can we have a 10,000 disparity, a 10,000 signature disparity? Well, they've never admitted that they even received the second draft. Well, you know, we decided to get ahead of this. So not only do we have the affidavits, the signed affidavits of when we and time and, and date and time stamp of when we made those drops. We also took photocopies. We have two sets of photocopies plus digital on this. So we get to the hearing yesterday. They refused to acknowledge that they accepted the second set of signatures. So they went off the first set of signatures and clipped me for almost 2000 signatures by the stroke of a pen and then decided to only count, they only looked at 1,100 and some odd signatures, even out of the, the, the uh, depleted number of 17,776. They didn't even look at 10% of these. They just looked at it and, and whammo, drop. But there's a much bigger deal going on here. The bigger deal is they knew in March that there were fraudulent signature gatherers out there they never issued an alert. They never told anyone. I never heard anything about this. There were candidates that did know about it. I did not. They never, because I wasn't challenged or anything. Wow. So they, they willingly withheld this information until this came out Monday. Now, so we're, we're about a month after my signatures were dropped off, right? No challenges, nothing. So we get in the courtroom yesterday, no notification, no, no due process, no nothing. And this hearing. And this comes out that and it's my opinion, in order to run the clock out, because they kept coming back to saying they created a special protocol to go through these signatures where they just decided by themselves. And this was from Mr. Bader himself. He did this on all by himself to create a new policy, an unelected bureau, unelected official, changing election policy all by himself to create a policy to verify signatures. And um, 
So now what's this guy's name? The, what's this guy's name? Jonathan Bader, Mr. Bader. And he decided to change. They decided to change the rules, run the clock out. So now the next thing that they brought up was, well, we don't have time to count the signatures now because we have to have everything approved and ready to go on the ballot by June three, four absentee ballots. So this was really about being able to run up the absentee, have a deadline, meet a deadline for these absentee ballots to be produced without a A, legal and B, fully fair and honest process to put candidates on the ballot. And it is also my opinion that this was also about getting off candidates that were uncontrollable. That is definitely it. Um, I, I looked at running for office in Michigan. I mean, in Illinois, excuse me, when I when I was living over there and realized the, the racket that it takes to try to even just to get on the ballot. And I was just completely dismayed by it because they make it nearly impossible, especially if you want to run independent in Illinois. What is the process for, for, be, for getting on the ballot? And what do you say to people that say, why weren't you just boots on the ground on your own getting the ballots yourself? How many do you need to qualify for governor? We need 15,000 ballots to, to get on the, the um, petition signatures to get on the ballot. They basically flooded the candidates with uh, the, the field with so many candidates. And it was said that someone was removed from the caucus of, the, of Michigan before recruiting candidates and running them against the incumbents. So there's another level of corruption that I believe exists. So now you've got 12 candidates on the ground, they're taking the pick of all people that are engaged in politics. Nobody else wants to get involved in politics because they're sick of the lying, thievery, cheating that's going on. And when I got in, I I never got involved in politics because I believe that they were all liars, cheats, and thieves. And I was right. They are. It's one big happy club. And uh, I I will tell you that, that, that I underestimated how bad it was. So when when you look at the people that are willing to sign petitions, it, it is almost impossible. And not only that, they flooded Michigan with ballot initiative petitions. So you're walking around trying to get petitions and somebody else is shoving 12, 16 petitions in their faces to sign. People are so overwhelmed with this that it's really demoralizing. None of the petitions work. None of them work. And I believe that they are absolutely put there to demoralize people, keep people busy, give them something to do, make them think that they're actually doing something. But not one of those petitions has really changed anything substantially. So that's a good distraction to get them away from actual candidates that can actually get in there and change things. Right now, I looked at this as a CEO and a business owner, somebody who's run companies, that board of elections needs to be gone through from top to bottom and either eliminated or we, we need to start firing and firing fast for not following the law, creating things on the fly, stepping out of their jurisdiction. And uh, I don't know, maybe we might go as far as treason because there's a whole bunch of them up there that has, have sub- subverted and uh, created, uh, you know, that have, uh, have uh, it's sedition. It's sedition it and treason against the country. We, we have the same thing happening here in Wisconsin. Let me, let me be completely honest with everybody out there. They, they've been listening to what we've been doing, going through on the ground here, and we see the same thing happening. The same thing is, is that Robin Voss has control over the Republican Party of Wisconsin. 
he has control over the money flow and the and the top uh, senators and people that are underneath his uh, little realm of influence are the ones who divvy out the money for the Republican Party in Wisconsin. If they don't like you or they don't want you running for office, they just make sure that you don't get any of that money from the Republican Party, tax, the taxpayer pool coming from the government, the federal government, and from taxpayers here in Wisconsin. And, you know, the way that they make it impossible is from the, from the very start and then they they work against you to make sure that you're that you're unsuccessful. It is really disheartening to watch. And it's, you know, it's another example of, of how bad things are in our country right now. Well, they exactly do that. And I saw electioneering election interference starting from the very beginning when I went to Mackinac Island to see this for myself, because I was never involved politically because I, so there was a straw poll up there with only five candidates that were listed on that. Those five candidates, except for Chief Craig, have existed or survived this, this horrible um, process and will be said to be on the ballot. Now, the other thing that's disturbing is that I heard that one of the candidates that made the ballot also was using the same signature gatherers that I was. Now, why didn't they check them? Why aren't they checking the judges that are on the ballot? Because I believe the judges were caught up in this too. And they all should be checked. All of them were should be checked line by line by line, not just being able to have somebody look at that and say, how, how come they couldn't check signatures on the 2020 election? But now magically, they're a bunch of geniuses and they can they can make these judgment calls yeah, now. It's amazing it, how it's, that works. They don't they don't absurd. care about signatures until until it uh, you know until it matters for them. What what is your yeah. so I I thought I read that that uh, they were going through a review today and they, they were going to make the final decision today or was that the hearing that was yesterday? That was yesterday. They and okay. one person abstained two to split, which means that we have to either appeal or do something else. Our, we are going to be filing next week Tuesday. And this is go big or go go home time. Yeah. What's so, your this, what's your recourse? What's your what? I mean, what is your what what avenues do you have to to protest this? Uh, basically, they have a wholesale ability to tank a candidate based on on uh, their opinions and their assessment. But I do believe that there's lawsuits that are probably eminent. Besides, uh, we will be filing for. We're going to go past the appeal process, I believe. And go to some. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of recourse. This this really just kicked the fight into into uh, full gear, because honestly, this the, these people that sit in these boards and the politicians, honestly, this is like amateur hour. None of them, most of them, have never held a real job, so they've never really had to actually work or understand how the world works or actually be accountable to anybody. And- <laughs> to anybody so honestly i i don't think it's they're they're kind of like a chip shot most of them because i can tell you right now most of them are pretty stupid well that's the problem is we aren't sending our best and the ones that are running and are in power right now are doing it for the wrong reasons and, and it's part of the reason why we're standing up in so many different areas pennsylvania made me proud this past week when the grassroots candidate there got about 25 percent of the vote it, it can happen it definitely can happen majority taylor green uh becoming very successful along with many others it's very possible. I'm kind of disappointed that, um, you know, President Trump hasn't been a little bit more involved in the, the governor race uh, in Michigan. I think he's kind of waiting to see what comes up. But, man, I, a, uh, a little mention right about now about what's happened to you would, would go a long way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 
Yeah, we'll see what happens here. It's kind of it's kind of a sad situation right now. We need to clean house top to bottom. My first action as governor would be to fire within 10 minutes, 1600 people. And I just added a few more to the list yesterday for non-performance and incompetence. In, in and then that's just gonna be the beginning. And then we're gonna go down the, to go down the line. So I am endorsed by General Flynn. And I did tell him, I said, I think I need a couple of transport planes to be running full time down to Gitmo because we're gonna we're gonna hit this head on with no mercy. I'm not real interested in felony convictions. I think we need to go for treason because this is a much more egregious amounts of of crime with foreknowledge with different individuals in different areas who are protecting each other in order to take down this nation. Not not only was the nation did the nation experience a coup in 2020, it's it's in the middle of one right now in Michigan. And I expect the rest of the United States is experiencing same problems. Are you tracking what's happening in Arizona? Are you seeing the news over there? I know I got to let you go here pretty quick, but I just wanted to ask you, see if you're tracking what's happening in Arizona with the recent arrest. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit more this afternoon. And also uh, the 2000 mule stuff. Uh, there's, there's a lot of news about what happened in Michigan with regards to that front. Uh, is it getting any exposure there in Michigan? Yeah, actually, it is some, but not as much as you would like. It seems like they're doing an awful good job at suppressing the information going out. So this is where we become the news. We are the news. The people are the news. The people are the ones that are going to have to take this nation back. We're going to have to stand together. This is no longer a spectator sport. Politics and the way that we run the government has to go back to leadership not political hacks, but actual leadership with responsibility, accountability, and integrity. We have none. We have no representation whatsoever. And they are just wholesale making rules arbitrarily. And like I said yesterday, sitting in that hearing room, it was in fact a goat rodeo. It was an absolute disgrace to this country. And it was a goat rodeo. And the people involved should be ashamed of themselves. It's uh, it's ridiculous to watch, and the the good thing is, is that we're gonna try to get as much exposure out there to this. I know uh, J- uh, Jim Hoff from Gateway Pundit has already been running stories about this. Others will now as well. Uh, Donna, it was an honor and a pleasure to meet you and give you a hug in Nashville. It was really cool to just kind of. It's so weird how we just all come together and it's like we're family like that. And I I just love and appreciate you, and I wish you the absolute best. Thank you so much for joining us. We're gonna get your links put out there. If you guys can help Donna, please do so. Yeah, please join my Telegram channel. I do write, I research about six to eight hours a day, and I write every single word on Telegram. You can communicate with me there. And uh, this fight is going to get bigger. It's going to be more epic. So come join along and help us take this this state back. Thank you so much. And all my buddies out there from ThreadFest, I love you guys. This is, guys and gals, this is, this was an amazing experience. And next ThreadFest, I hope we, I hope we, uh, increase our numbers because it is truly all families. It's all a band of us standing together. It really is. Donna, God bless you. We wish you the best and I will keep in touch with you. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure Zach will be hitting you up here uh, very soon. God bless you too. Bye-bye. Donna, Donna Brandenburg running for governor of, uh, of Michigan, uh, finding out what it's like uh, uh, in no uncertain terms, what happens when they don't want you to be, 
uh, part of the group, part of the uh, people that they want you to be in power. Uh, it's pretty sad to watch what it's like, what's happening over there. Um, but nonetheless, we're just doing what we can to try to get exposure for it. And so I appreciate you guys joining here today. I know for sure Zach's going to have uh, more discussions about that. Let me get uh, Donna's Telegram link out there. As I realize that all my cameras are all messed up now and stuff because I wanted to make sure I could talk to Donna directly via Zoom. So yeah, all my uh, all my stuff is a disaster here. Uh, thank you, Glenn, for dropping that Telegram link out there. I'll get that out there into uh, these other places as well. Uh, I appreciate you guys very much. Um, let me go ahead and let me. Uh, I I can leave Zoom open actually today if anybody wants to hop in. And uh, it is uh, call in Friday, so I might as well we just might as well just pivot straight to it. I do have a lot of interesting news that I wanted you guys to see today. But first, I want to just say hello to you all. Let me let me first fix this disaster that I got going on here on my screen. Um, actually, it's not that bad. All right. Um, Thank you guys for joining me here today. Happy Friday. I hope all is well. I, I realized we did a quick, pretty quick transition. I just called Donna earlier today and I was like, hey, can you can you join us <laughs> real quick? Uh, I really want to hear what's happening because I know that uh, I know that there were some definitely some shenanigans happening out there. So do me a favor. I'm going to find some links about there about what's uh, about what's happened to her. And basically, you know, um, you know, what she's saying is, is, is these signature companies, are, you know, were being bought and paid for to make sure that the, the selected candidate can win and then not only that but then uh just denying signatures out of nowhere it's uh it's crazy what's happening out there man so uh hopefully we'll get the word out there and we appreciate you guys joining us here today henry uh glenn tam Grau, and mez thank you for the cookies or the uh the gold pills today thank you very much i appreciate you guys very much thanks for being here today uh rp4l thanks for being here uh liberty bells good to see you hope all is well Polidius and Chris, thanks for dropping all the links out there. I appreciate that. Uh, let's see. Who else is out there? Gunny, good to see you, Duppy. Who cares? Uh, let's see. Who else is out there on on, <laughs> on uh, the Foxhole.app today? I just got uh, Denise. There's Denise. Keep True is out there as well. Thanks for being here today, guys. All the lurkers out there, I know you guys got lots going on today. So I appreciate you coming in to hang out with us today. Uh, we do have uh, some Durham news to get to today. Uh, we got some other interesting stuff that's happening out there, so we can uh, we can kind of move in in and out of some news here today too. So stand by for that. Uh, Whale Cloud, good to see you over there on Twitch, as well as uh, Dunaha, Chris. Um, who else? A lot of lurkers over there. 17, 17 viewers. Hey, <laughs> you know, Kate speaks. Thank you for the new follow and Miss Talena as well. Thank you for the new follow over there on Twitch. Thanks for being here today, guys. Appreciate you guys very much. What's up, Rumble? How you guys doing out there? Elder the Huns out there. Hank, good to see you as well as Glenn. Much love to you guys all out there. Uh, several lurkers out there. Thanks for hitting that plus button. I appreciate you guys very much. Mr. Vax in the house as well. Thanks, guys, for being here today. Uh, if you can't hit that plus button, if you're new, subscribe so you can find the channel easier. Thanks for being here, guys. Much love to you all. It is a chill Friday where we uh, take calls and just kind of hang out with you guys whenever you want. So if anybody wants to hop in, go ahead and hop in there anytime. I'll go ahead and get the uh, the call in up on the screen so you can see that. I'm going to kind of have to fix some stuff here because now i got a disaster going on here. Hold on. Uh, let's see here. Let's try that. That's better. All right. Um, let's see here. How am I going to do this? Actually, I have to fix this even more. I'm going to hide me yonder and then yonder. My dog is going to come over here and you are going to go over there and <laughs> I got shit everywhere. Sorry. It's, it's, it's a complete mess over here. Um, did she say John Bader? I think that's what she said of Michigan. I was trying to find him. Um, hmm. 
I'll have to look. I'm gonna look for that more later. There's the website for Donna Brandenburg right there. Check that out when you get time. Um, it is DonnaBrandenburgForGovernor.com, and hopefully she's going to be able to do what she can to at least raise awareness about what's happening over there. Good to see you, Z Patriot Hope all as well. DonnaBrandenburgForGovernor.com, and that is the website. And if you can can at least help spread the word out there, uh, General Flynn uh, has endorsed her as as well as hopefully others here in the near future. Uh, she's a great patriot, and looks like they're trying to play the shenanigans over there in Wisconsin. Uh, excuse me, in Michigan. So. Uh, the signature match stuff, it's funny how they only care about uh, signature match stuff when, um, you know, <laughs> when it's uh, the candidate that they don't want running for office or whatever that may be. So uh, check it out when you get time. Help spread the word. I appreciate you guys. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. Thanks for being here today, guys. Uh, a couple of things I want to get to here pretty quick. First thing today is this uh, judge dismissing. Uh, Trump's federal lawsuit against New York Attorney General Letitia James. Uh, judge dismissed a federal lawsuit by for, for former President Donald Trump that sought to bar a civil investigation of his businesses by the New York Attorney General. The ruling by District Judge Brenda Sands came a day after the appeals court in New York upheld subpoenas. Oh, there's an actual article here. Check that out. Uh, let's see here. Upheld subpoenas issued by James compelling Trump and his two adult children to appear for questioning under oath as part of the probe. James, in a Twitter post on Friday, called out the latest ruling in her favor a big victory. Fervous lawsuits won't stop us from completing our lawful, legitimate investigation. Trump and his company, the Trump Organization, in December sued James in federal court in the Northern District of New York. The suit claimed that the attorney general violated their rights with their investigation into claims that the company illegally manipulated the state stated valuations of various real estate assets for financial gain. Trump and his company claimed that James' derogatory comments about him when he ran for office in her election showed that she was retaliating against Trump in her probe, which uh, commenced in bad faith and without legality, legally sufficient basis. So... Uh, the legal battle continues um, with President Trump, and they're just going to continue to go after him, and they're going to continue to try to uh, indict him in any way possible to make him not be able to run for office. Hey, Comfort I'm thank you for that. I appreciate the kind words. Thank you. Long Gears, thank you for the ship. Much love. I appreciate that. Thank you. John Bader. Okay, I'll check that out. Thank you. Um, so there's that. I just wanted to make sure I got that covered today. Um, why should, why the jury should convict Michael Sussman of lying, uh, to the FBI, but probably won't. And this is, you guys have been hearing me try to lay the, you know, to warn people, look, this isn't about necessarily about Sussman. This is about something much bigger. So don't be surprised if something weird happens here and then everyone reads and then re freaks out and the rest. Uh, let's do a little bit, spend about uh, 20 minutes, half hour or so going through what happened on the Sussman trial today. But first, let's go ahead and read this from Margo Cleveland drop today. It's a nine minute read. The evidence prosecutors elicited from witnesses over the last two weeks provided overwhelming proof of Sussman's guilt. Closing arguments will begin later this morning in special counsel John Durham's false statement case against former Hillary Clinton campaign attorney Michael Sussman after Sussman made a last minute decision on Thursday not to testify in his own defense. The evidence prosecutors elicited from witnesses over the last two weeks provided overwhelming proof of Sussman's guilt and destroys the many defense theories Sussman's legal team floated throughout the trial. Yet, a conviction of a fellow D.C. swamp dweller may be unattainable. Last fall, the special counsel indicted Sussman on one count of making false statement in violation of Section 1001 of the Federal Criminal Code. 
The special counsel alleged Sussman lied to then FBI general counsel James Baker during a, a September 9th. 19th, 2016 meeting. In the meeting, Sussman presented Baker with the data and white papers that supposedly show the ec- uh, the existence of a secret communications network between Russia-banked Alpha Bank and the Trump Organization. According to the indictment, Sussman was acting on behalf of the Clinton campaign and tech executive Ronnie Joffe when he met with Baker, but falsely told his friend that he was coming on his own behalf to help the FBI. Before adjourning uh, for the day on Thursday, presiding Judge Christopher Cooper provided instructions to the jury. Jurors will also... Jurors will use those to decide whether to convict or acquit Sussman following deliberations, which will begin either Friday afternoon, and it looks like it has begun begun today, uh, and probably will continue into Tuesday following the Memorial Day weekend. Quote, the government must prove beyond a reasonable doubt five facts, Judge Cooper explained. Namely, one, that on September 19th, 2016, the defendant made a statement or representation. Okay, sold. Number two, the statement or representation was false, fictitious, or fraudulent. Two, check mark. Three, that this statement or representation was material. Uh, that is going to be the question. Um, and they, I think they did a good job of, of obtaining materiality as well. For the false, fictitious, or fraudulent statement was made knowingly and willfully. Okay, that's pretty hard to not to prove. And then the statement or representation was made in a matter within the jurisdiction of the executive branch of the government of the United States. And uh, that is definitely true. The government previously requested the court take judicial notice of the fact that the FBI is within the executive branch of the government, meaning the fact is conclusively established for the jury. While the parties disagree about what Sussman said to Baker, Sussman clearly made a statement or representation to the then general counsel of the FBI, leaving jurors to focus on the three other elements. Overwhelming evidence to convict. During today's closing arguments, the government will remind the jury that the detailed evidence prosecutors presented over the course of the trial, including the the nearly 20 witnesses, that evidence overwhelmingly established the three remaining facts prosecutors must prove. First, the prosecution must prove Sussman denied acting on behalf of any particular client when he met with Baker. Here, the government will stress Baker's testimony that had the former uh, general counsel telling the jury that he was 100% confident Sussman said during their September 19, 2016 meeting that he was not representing a client. My memory on this point sitting here today is clear, Baker told the jury. While the defense took issue with Baker's memory, those efforts should fail for two reasons. First, Baker's testimony made clear he was a reluctant witness, not out to get Sussman and feeling responsible for dragging his friend into the maelstrom. Second, Prosecutors presented evidence that Sussman texted Baker the night before their September 19th, 2016 meeting, writing, I'm coming on my own, not on behalf of a client or company. Want to help the Bureau. Unquote. Given that Sussman denied representing a client the night before the meeting, a reasonable jury would find Baker's testimony that he was 100% confident Sussman repeated the claim at the start of their meeting conclusive. In addition to that evidence, the jury also heard from two of Baker's colleagues in the FBI who testified that the notes they took shortly after Baker met with Sussman indicate indicted Sussman indicated Sussman had told Baker he was not working on behalf of any client. More evidence he lied. The evidence 
also overwhelmingly established that Sussman's claim that he was not working on behalf of any client was false. Specifically, the government elicited testimony from Sussman's former Perkins, uh, Perkins Coy partner, uh, Mark Elias, uh, who served as the Elias, who, who served as the lead lawyer for the Clinton campaign, that Elias had hired the investigative firm Fusion GPS to conduct opposition research against Trump. Elias told jurors that he learned of the supposed Alpha Bank Trump secret communication channel from Sussman. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Elias also uh, provided a detailed explanation of how law firm building records work. Prosecutors admitted records showing Sussman reported time spent on the Alpha Bank project to the Clinton campaign uh, and specifically billed the Clinton campaign for a project he worked on on September 19th, 2016, the same day he met with Baker. Elias had previously testified that he believed Sussman's only work on behalf of the Clinton campaign concerned Alpha Bank. Then on Wednesday, the government presented evidence Sussman charged the Clinton campaign for, for the thumb drives used to transfer the Alpha Bank data to the FBI, providing pretty con- conclusive proof of the government's assertion Sussman was representing the Clinton campaign. Other evidence supports the government's argument that Sussman was also acting on behalf of Joffe when he met with Baker. For instance, Fusion GPS's Laura Siegel testified she first heard of the Alpha Bank theory at a meeting with Elias, huh? which Sussman and his client Joffe also attended, as did many of the people in the Barack Obama administration. Also, lots of evidence this affected the FBI. Special counsel likewise provided uh, substantial evidence related to the second factor, materiality. Here the jury was instructed that Sussman's lie must have been material, meaning the statement has a natural tendency to influence or is capable of influencing a discrete decision of the decision-making body to which it addressed. Okay, that's clearly material then. In this case, the government presented testimony of several federal agents showing how Sussman's lie altered their decisions, with Baker testifying he would not have taken the private meeting with Sussman if he had known Sussman was working on behalf of the Clinton team, unquote. Baker also told the jury that he, quote, vouched for Sussman and treated him as a sensitive, confidential human source, protecting his identity from other agents because he believed Sussman had come to the FBI on his own. Uh-huh. Other agents also testified that they hit a roadblock in determining the source of the Alpha Bank data and, and that in assessing the data, knowing whether it came from somebody with a political affiliation or motivation would affect the initial steps of the investigation, as would the seventh floor of the FBI telling you to open an investigation, even though there are, there are parts of the FBI telling them not to. Anyways, that I'm sure will be released in further testimony in the, in the near future. With other cases, evidence Sussman lied on purpose. Finally, the government must establish that Sussman held the required mens rea or guilty mind. Section 1001, which criminalizes false statements, requires a defendant make the false statement intentionally or knowingly. Circumstantial evidence can establish a defendant's state of mind. So can the, the evidence admitted at trial, which included Sussman's congressional testimony, which also which with his acknowledgement that he was acting on behalf of a tech expert. All of this provides overwhelming evidence that Sussman's lie was intentional. In an attempt to counter this overwhelming evidence, during Sussman's closing argument, his attorneys will likely hammer inconsistencies in statements Baker previously made concerning what Sussman said during their September 19, 2016 meeting. Sussman's lawyers are also likely to highlight testimony they presented that the Clinton campaign did not want Sussman to take the evidence to the FBI, including testimony from Clinton campaign manager Robbie Mook, even though Robbie Mook would have no idea what 
uh, he was told by Elias or by the FBI or by Hillary Clinton. The government, however, countered that evidence with testimony establishing that Perkins Coy uh, Perkins and Coy attorneys and Fusion GPS held great discretion to act on behalf of the Clinton campaign. The defense is also certain to highlight trial evidence showing the FBI's national security concerns about Trump's connection with Russia, as well as testimony touting Joffe's reputation as a tech expert to argue Sussman had held serious concerns about the data. But the special counsel will quickly counter that Sussman's concerns do not excuse him for lying to the FBI. Finally, Sussman's legal team will likely stress the testimony of character witnesses who spoke at Sussman's stellar reputation, why an acquittal is likely despite the evidence. While there can be no certainty in predicting the jury's eventual verdict, an acquittal seems likely even with the overwhelming evidence of Sussman's guilt detailed. Baker's trial testimony provided the clearest foreshadowing of this outcome when he told prosecutors, quote, I'm not out to get Michael. This is not my investigation. This is your investigation. If you ask me a question, I answer it. You ask me to look for something, I go look for it, unquote. Bill Priestep, who served as the assistant director of the counterintelligence division for the FBI in 2016, displayed an even more grudging demeanor in testifying on behalf of the special counsel. When questioned by prosecutors whether it was important for Sussman to fully disclose his ties to the Clinton campaign, Priestep said it, quote, would have been part of several factors, telling the government attorney, quote, I'm struggling on your use of the word important. It's a, it's a motivation that is relevant, but not the only factor. If Baker, the man who uh, the man to whom Sussman lied, adopts such a disinterested approach to justice and precept, and assistant director at the FBI shows disdain for the special counsel's case, surely a jury of Sussman's peers will too. The men and women of the jury live and work in D.C. with men and women like Sussman, Baker, and Priestep. Their kids go to school together, literally in the case of one juror, and they likely can envision a friend or neighbor in Sussman's position. While Sussman's lie was material in the legal sense, jurors seem likely to shrug off the lie as harmless, mentally parroting the woman uh, several jurors acknowledge, acknowledge they donated money to when she ran for president in 2016. What difference at this point does it make? I may be wrong, but I don't think so. Margo Cleveland today in the federal is warning us that day. You're likely to see uh, <laughs> justice not happen today. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, we'll probably won't hear anything till Tuesday. So what we'll be able to do is relax this weekend, not talk about Sussman at all. And... <laughs> <laughs> and just kind of chill and forget about all this stuff. So that's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> uh, it's good to see you guys out there today. Hope all is well. Yep. Now my screens are all, all nice and messed up. Good to go there. Now you can't see a dang thing. That's much better, huh? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, let's try moving this there. There we go. All right, let me say hello to you guys. Hope all is well. Um, anybody who wants to hop in and come hang out with me today, go ahead and, and hop in there. You're welcome to hop in anytime. Uh, it is your Friday to talk about what you want to talk about or correct something that I may have gotten wrong or just kind of chill if you'd like to. Denise, do you reckon I should come up through the southern border so I can get free house, medical care, and money thrown at me? Yes, that is a great idea, Denise. You can come over here and you can move here locally and they'll set you up. We have lawyers here locally that will help you. Don't, don't worry about it. Uh, Denise says, X-22 had a good interview with Cash today. Yes, I did see that. I think I have some some stuff about that out there today uh cash kind of saying there's going to be a two to four more indictments this summer i'm like 
Two to four. <laughs> two to four. That's it. This year, we're only going to get two to four more indictments. I'm over here like, are you serious? It's going to take what till next year to get a, what another couple, two or four more. Ugh, anyways, here we go. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Trump is speaking now at the NRA convention in Houston. Nice. Nice. I wonder if, uh, let me see if I can find a link. I wouldn't mind hearing that. Uh, let me see here. Oh, hey. <laughs> he just popped up on the screen. On uh, OAN. Hey, look at there. Brian Cates has it. Great job. Governor Christy Nome is here. Christy. Thank you. Christy. Doing a fantastic job in North Carolina. This is a hot politician. That is a hot politician. Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. I don't know where you are, Mark. I don't know where Mark is, but he is fantastic. We just had a very good day, as you know, in North Carolina. As we gather this week, citizens across this state and across this nation are filled with grief in the wake of the heinous massacre of Rob Elementary School in Uvalde. You know all about that and what a horrible, horrible thing it was to see it, to watch it, to hear about it. The terrible murder of 19 innocent children and two adult teachers with many badly injured was a savage and barbaric atrocity that shocks the conscience of every single American. So horrible. I want to ask for a brief moment of silence as I read the names of these beautiful people, all young, wonderful lives ahead of them. They're brave teachers whose lives were destroyed by an out-of-control lunatic. So we'll start. Alexandria. Rubio, Aletha Ramirez, Amory Garza, Annabelle Guadalupe Rodriguez, Eliana Cruz Torres, Ellie Garcia, Jacqueline Cazares, Jayla Nicole Silguro, Jace Lovarnos, Jose Flores, Leila Salazar, McKenna Lee Elrod. Maitai Rodriguez, Miranda Mathis, Nevea Bravo, Rogelio Torres, Tess Marie Mata, Ozia Garcia,
Javier Lopez. Two great and beautiful, brilliant teachers, Eva Morales, Irma Garcia. And thank you very much. It's a beautiful moment of silence for something that should never have even been thought about, let alone happened. Each precious young soul that was taken is an incomprehensible loss, literally not comprehensible, stolen from us by a malice that no words can describe, sickness. The monster who committed this crime is pure evil, pure cruelty, pure hatred, absolute pure hatred. And while those he slaughtered are now with God in heaven, he will be eternally damned to burn in the fires of hell. As we mourn for so many beautiful victims, I know that everyone here joins me in praying for the families who are suddenly missing the brightest light in their lives. We see their agony. We ask God to ease their suffering and to heal their pain. And together, we grieve side by side as one great American family. Now is the time to find common ground. Sadly, before the sun had even set on the horrible day of tragedy, we witnessed a now familiar parade of cynical politicians seeking to exploit the tears of sobbing families to increase their own power and take away our constitutional rights. Every time a disturbed or demented person commits such a hideous crime, there's always a grotesque effort by some in our society to use the suffering of others to advance their own extreme political agenda. Even more repulsive is their rush to shift blame away from the villains who commit acts of mass violence and to place that blame onto the shoulders of millions of peaceful, law-abiding citizens who belong to organizations such as our wonderful NRA. When Joe Biden blamed the gun lobby, he was talking about Americans like you. And along with countless other Democrats this week, he was shamefully suggesting that Republicans are somehow okay with letting school shootings happen. They're not okay with it. This rhetoric is highly divisive and dangerous, and most importantly, it's wrong. It has no place in our politics. As always, in the wake of these tragedies, the various gun control policies being pushed by the left would have done nothing to prevent the horror that took place. Absolutely nothing. Unfortunately, ever since Columbine, we've been afflicted by a contagion of school shootings carried out by deeply evil, violent, and mentally disturbed young men. While we don't yet know enough about this week's killing, we know there are many things we must do. We need to drastically change our approach to mental health. There are always so many warning signs. Almost all of these disfigured minds share the same profile. When people see something, whether on social media or in school, 
they need to say something. Teachers, parents, school officials, and community members need to be recognizing and addressing these alarm bells promptly and very, very aggressively. And our school discipline systems, instead of making excuses and continually turning a blind eye, need to confront bad behavior head-on and quickly. And clearly, we need to make it far easier to confine the violent and mentally deranged into mental institutions. We have also, very importantly, got to deal with the problem of broken families because no law can cure the effects of a broken home. There is no substitute for a strong mom and a great dad. But while we work to address these deep, complicated issues and deal with this scourge, all of us must unite, Republican and Democrat, in every state and at every level of government, to finally harden our schools and protect our children. What we need now is a top-to-bottom security overhaul at schools all across our country. Every building should have a single point of entry. There should be strong exterior fencing, metal detectors, and the use of new technology to make sure that no unauthorized individual can ever enter the school with a weapon. No one should ever be able to get anywhere near a classroom until they have been checked, scanned, screened, and fully approved. So important. In addition, classroom doors should be hardened to make them lockable from the inside and closed to intruders from the outside. And above all, from this day forward, every school in America should have a police officer or an armed resource officer on duty at all times. Moreover, at every police department in America, we need a rigorous training on active shooter protocols to immediately locate and eliminate the target. Took too long. And we need to expand funding, recruiting, and training for police departments nationwide. This is not a matter of money. This is a matter of will. If the United States has $40 billion to send to Ukraine, we should be able to do whatever it takes to keep our children safe at home. We're here. Thank you. We spent trillions in Iraq, trillions in Afghanistan. We got nothing. Before we nation-build the rest of the world, we should be building safe schools for our own children in our own nation, right?
Last year alone, Biden and congressional Democrats sent $122 billion in so-called COVID relief funds to K-12 schools, even while they were keeping many of our schools totally shut down, no doubt severely worsening the mental health challenge of many youth. I mean, many of these young people really suffered very greatly. They became very ill. They may have been ill to start, but they became very, very ill. Congress should vote immediately to take back every penny of unused COVID relief money, take it back from the states, and use that money to quickly establish impenetrable security at every school all across our land. As many have noted, inner-city schools rarely have these kinds of mass shootings. I didn't know that until just recently. Think of that. They rarely have this problem, despite being located in very tough neighborhoods, in many cases where there's tremendous levels of high crime and violence. They're much more dangerous outside the school than inside. The reason is that for decades, inner-city schools have had much stronger security measures in place in the school itself including metal detectors and, yes, armed guards. They had guns. Armed guards. Whatever our differences may be on other issues, what on earth is stopping Democrats from immediately passing measures to ramp up school security? How many more tragedies will it take until they agree to set aside their far-left political agenda and do what is really needed and what actually works? This is not about virtue cycling and signing. This is about blaming your enemies. No, we don't want to do that. This is about saving our children's lives. Yes, that's what we want to do. Surely we can all agree our schools should not be the softest target. Our school should be the single hardest target in our country. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. And that's why, as part of a comprehensive school safety plan, it's time to finally allow highly trained teachers to safely and discreetly concealed carry. Let them concealed carry. And again, they have to be able to handle it. They have to be highly trained, all of those things. But let them do that. It would be so much better and so much more effective, even from a cost standpoint. Because there is no sign more inviting to a mass killer than a sign that declares a gun-free zone. Most dangerous place. I know it sounds good, and it really does. Doesn't it sound wonderful? But it's not. And statistically, it's a total disaster. Gun-free zone, they look at that sign and they say, that's where I'm going. We cannot have that because if somebody goes into that building, all of those innocent people will be taken out, will be killed, will be tortured. Bad things will happen. Have to get rid of it. It's As a the age-old saying goes, the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Have you ever heard that? No, you've never heard that. And in the absence of a member of law enforcement, there is no one you would rather have nearby when a crisis strikes than an armed, expertly trained member of the 
NRA. Let's not pretend that those on the left are just talking about limiting one class of gun or one category of ammunition. You know they're not doing that. We all know they want total gun confiscation. Know that. This would be a first step. Once they get the first step, they'll take the second step, the third, the fourth, and then you'll have a whole different look at the Second Amendment, which is, by the way, totally under siege. But we stopped it for four years. We stopped it. And you've got to stop it. You've got to stop it. But even if every decent and honest American gave up their guns, the criminals would never give up theirs, and they never will. They're never going to give up theirs. They would wreak havoc like never before in our country. The fact is, there will always be sick and demonic souls who wish to harm the innocent and see malice triumph over good. You're going to have that. But the existence of evil in our world is not a reason to disarm law-abiding citizens who know how to use their weapon and can protect a lot of people. The existence of evil is one of the very best reasons to arm law-abiding citizens. And that is why one of the core missions of the NRA is to train, prepare, and equip responsible American men and women with the knowledge and tools they need to defend themselves, their families, and their communities. Have to defend their communities and their families. Every single year, the NRA's 125,000 certified instructors, these are highly trained, very, very capable people. They train an incredible one million Americans to be safer gun owners, ready to act when the situation calls. An incredible job. And every day, that training is protecting the vulnerable and safeguarding the innocent. An estimated 500,000 to 2.5 million Americans each year use a firearm in self-defense, the vast majority without ever even having to fire a shot. Oftentimes, they know you have it, and they say, no, thank you. We're not going to mess with her. In addition, according to newly released data from the FBI, last year there were not one, not two, not three, but four active shooters who were taken out by an armed civilian bravely exercising their Second Amendment rights, saving countless innocent lives. That is what the Second Amendment is all about. We're honored to be joined today by a true Texas hero. The Sunday after Christmas in 2019, veteran firearms instructor Jack Wilson was attending services at the West Freeway Church of Christ outside of Fort Worth. He saw a strange man enter the church, and after that, Jack never took his eyes off him, would not leave him. He knew something was wrong right up until the man approached the person serving communion and pulled out a gun. Thankfully, after Texas passed a law allowing concealed carry in places of worship, Jack had volunteered to lead his church's citizens security team, and he knew what he was doing. Instantly, Jack and another congregant pulled out their firearms very quickly, very professionally. The shooter gunned down Jack's team member and then turned and killed the man serving Holy Communion. Amid the chaos, Jack had only an instant to take aim. 
He saw his chance and took out the shooter with a single perfect shot. Incredible. Come on up here, Joe. Come on up here, Jack. Stay right here. Stay right there, Jack. Thanks to Jack's sharp eye and swift action, the shooter was down within six seconds out from pulling his gun. Think of that, six seconds. And with more than 240 worshipers in the church, which perhaps all would be gone right now, Jack had saved the lives of an old, really a, an untold number of innocent people that he knew very well and he loved. Jack, we want to thank you for a job well done. We salute you, a true professional, a Really great man, Jack. Say a few words, Jack. Thank each and every one of you. Again, thank you, President Trump. And you're still my president. <laughs> did that day was not for my glory. It was to save countless friends and family in that setting. I hope you're never put in that position, but understand if you are put in that position, you have to make that decision to do what is right. Not what somebody says, well, you shouldn't do that. No. I did not kill a human being that day. I took out evil. And, and just as what happened in Uvalde this week, that was evil. We have to deal with evil at all levels. You have to stand up and be prepared to protect and do what you have to do to stop evil in this country. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jack. And as Jack's story reminds us, defending our Second Amendment is about defending law, order, and life. We know that. As law and order conservatives, we have no higher goal than to reduce violent crime by the greatest degree possible. And there is no mystery as to what is required. Over the past two years, our nation has paid a horrifically bloody price for the Democrats' defund the police rhetoric and their weak on crime policies. We have paid a big price. In every city where the left attacked the police, slashing funding or hired radical prosecutors, violent crime has skyrocketed. Last year, 12 major cities hit all-time highs. This is the history of our country, all-time highs in record homicides 
And this year is looking far, far worse, not even close. In Democrat-run Sacramento last year, a man with a long criminal history was released from jail on zero bail and wish, wish that he would never have been put in jail. That was his wish. Weeks later, he broke into an innocent woman's home, sexually assaulted her, murdered her, killed her two dogs, and set her house on fire. This past February in New York, another horrible person with at least six prior arrests was released without bail before going on a stalking tour after a 35-year-old woman went into her apartment, stabbing her to death and leaving her body in the bathtub. And recently in Philadelphia, a thug murdered an innocent man walking his dog two weeks after being released on armed kidnapping and assault charges where he badly, badly hurt a number of people. The very same Democrat politicians who stoked riots over a single police-involved killing two years ago are numb to the mounting death toll of their own radical policies. But we must not be. We cannot let that happen. Big city mayors like Lori Lightfoot in Chicago, Muriel Bowser in Washington, Jim Kenney in Philadelphia watched the slaughter day in and day out and do absolutely nothing. But we must act. If America had a proper approach to policing, prosecuting, and jailing, we could cut violent crime in our major cities by much more than half, and it would take place almost immediately. Under the greatest mayor in the history of New York, Rudy Giuliani, they cut violent crime by 58 percent and the murder rate by 66 percent in just a few years. And then it got better than that. And under our own administration, we significantly reduced violent crime three years in a row. We resurrected Project Safe Neighborhoods, bringing together prosecutors, police sheriffs, and citizen groups to get dangerous felons off the streets and off the streets rapidly. We funded 200 new violent crime prosecutors with Operation Legend. We surged hundreds and hundreds of federal law enforcement officers to Democrat-run cities that you've heard so many horrible things about to put violent offenders behind bars where they belong. When they started knocking down statues in Washington, D.C., and other locations, I watched this in amazement. Lincoln, Jefferson, Washington, knocking them down. And I immediately signed an executive order which stated that anybody even lightly defaces a federal monument or statue will get a minimum of 10 years in prison, 10 years. And immediately upon signing it, everything stopped. Do you ever notice that? It all stopped. There was nothing. It didn't happen. Amazing, isn't it? I felt I had a political and moral obligation to allow Democrat mayors and governors to run their cities and states when it came to crime and riots and even horrible violence. In my own mind, I was allowing the Democrats to show how they would handle the situation. And when it got out of control, I got involved. I got our government energized. I called the National Guard 
and federal law enforcement, and we saved the cities of Minneapolis, Kenosha, Seattle, Chicago, and even Portland during some very, very bad times in those places. But then they wander back to the past. But if I ever do it again, namely run for president and win, I would no longer feel obligated to do it that way. I would crack down on violent crime like never before. which is the way I would have liked to have done it the first time, but in a certain way, I'm glad I didn't. The easiest, simplest, most straightforward thing we can do to save thousands of American lives from violence is to hire more police, arrest more violent criminals, give them speedy trials, and get them into jail. And we've now seen what the Democrats do when they're left to run the cities. So now it has to be done right. Over time, that will save tens of thousands of lives and billions and billions of dollars. Never forget the same people that are lecturing us about gun confiscation are the ones who are also taking cops off the street and letting criminals out of jail, knowing that it will get tens of thousands of Americans killed, and killed rather quickly, unfortunately. You really wonder, do the Democrats even care? Now, the radical left Democrats are continuing to push to abolish cash bail and to strip our police officers of their qualified immunity. Just this week, the Biden administration announced new policies threatening to hold law enforcement officers liable not only for their misconduct, but even for the misconduct of other officers, a totally destructive policy that will only make our communities less safe. What officer is going to get involved if they think they can lose everything, their family, their pension, everything? It's crazy what's going on, not even thinkable. If Democrats truly care about stopping the bloodshed in America, the Biden administration's war on police must end, and it must end right now. We will no longer defund. Thank you. We will no longer. <laughs> what am I doing here? I knew it had to happen. Who is that man? Stand up, please. Who is that? Had to happen. We will no longer defund the police, and we will no longer even mention defunding of the police. We will never mention it again. Great American heroes. And if allowed to do their job, they will do it like nobody else can. All of those crime statistics will be cut so in such a big way. You'll be so proud. You'll be so proud to be an American when you see in Chicago when you see in Chicago 80 people shot, sometimes in a weekend, and many people dying, that's a war zone. When you see what's happening in other cities, it's just incredible. So you'd be proud to be an American. Under a new Congress next year, we should pass legislation strengthening qualified 
immunity for our police officers. We have to do that. Who would ever take a job without that? Think of it. Who would ever take a job? You ruin your life. You have one bad story that may be made up because a lot of the stories are made up. One bad made-up story and your life is over. Our law enforcement men and women do their duty to protect us, and we must do our duty to protect them. have to do it. Earlier this week, the law enforcement officer who stopped the Texas shooter's rampage was reportedly a member of the group Joe Biden has most viciously betrayed and demonized the heroes of Border Patrol. He was very brave. Every day, our amazing Border Patrol agents and ICE officers are risking their lives to keep our community safe. And when we regain control of Congress, we must do that. Please remember that. We can stop socialism and communism at one time. Wouldn't that be nice? We will once again give these great patriots the authority, the resources, and the respect they need and dearly deserve. They need this. They have to have it. But we need it. We need it more than they do. There can be no doubt that the crime crisis is fueled in part by the Biden border crisis. Numbers of people coming in at levels that nobody's ever seen before, probably that no country has ever seen before. When I left office, we handed the new administration the most secure, by far, border in the history of the United States. We ended catch and release. We ended asylum fraud. We struck historic agreements with Mexico. Stay in Mexico. Is that a nice-sounding agreement? That is, stay in Mexico. Biden immediately terminated. Stay in Mexico, along with pipelines and every other thing. And now, congratulations. Gasoline just hit in a lot of places today. $9.25. We deported illegal alien gang members by the thousands, and we built nearly 500 miles of Great, beautiful new border wall, the exact same specifications that the Border Patrol gave us. We got it built, and then we started building more. We're going to add another 200. We were almost finished with that. And then, uh, lo and behold, they came in with a very bad election. Very bad, to put it mildly. They came in with a bad election, and they stopped building the border wall. And when Texas went to them and wanted to use the fencing that was already bought and paid for and sitting there waiting just to go up, would have taken three weeks to finish it. Uh, they took it away. They wouldn't give it to them. So at least you know where they're coming from. We gave them the best border ever, and they turned it into the worst border nightmare of all time. And you are paying a very high price for that right here in Texas. You're paying a very high price. We had the greatest border, the most secure border in this country, in our country's history. Under Biden, it's always America last, one globalist sellout after another. It's America last. It's even reported that the Biden administration is considering putting U.N. bureaucrats in charge of your Second Amendment rights. Just like I'm sure that most of you haven't heard this, but you know who's — I terminated the Iran nuclear deal because it was a disaster. They want to go back into it. You know who's negotiating for us? Russia and China. How's that going to work out? You think that's going to work out good?
Can you imagine Russia and China saying, do you believe this? He wants us to negotiate the deal for him. Ah, this is a sad day. This is one of the saddest times for our country that I've ever seen. They want to re-enter the ridiculous U.N. arms trade treaty and pursuing a U.N. ban on lead ammunition. You know that, because it's not environmentally friendly. Is there a substitute for lead? You people are better at this than me. Wayne, is there a set? Where's Jason? Is there a substitute? They want to get rid of lead because it's environmentally unfriendly. The last time I appeared at this NRA leadership forum, I stood before you and I proudly signed a document revoking America's signature from the globalist UN disaster. Under my leadership, we never surrender American sovereignty. We would never surrender American sovereignty. And we always put America first. I remember in the early weeks of the Biden administration, Biden said, we're not going to stand for America first. Now, you know, even if you didn't agree with our policy, you can't say that. It is a great name, isn't it? America first. The only thing better might be Ultra Mega. They gave us a great day. <laughs> but compare that, all of the things we talk about, we see, we feel, and many of the things we don't talk about, compare that with how great America was just two years ago. Think of it, there was no inflation. The war with Russia going into Ukraine would never, ever have happened. Would have never happened. I spoke to Putin about it. Would have never, ever happened. He knew the consequences. He would have never done it. In fact, he didn't do it. Sleepy eyes chucked out on Meet the Fake Press. You ever hear of Meet the Fake Press or Deface the Nation, those shows? Ladies and gentlemen, it's President Donald Trump on Deface the Nation. But that really should be the name of these shows. But he was saying to Blinken, I believe, he said, uh, how come this never happened with Trump? Don't forget, Georgia was given up by Bush. Hate to say it. Georgia was given up by Bush. Crimea was given up by Obama and Biden. I mean, we'll add Biden's name in that, if you don't mind. <laughs> Nothing was given up by Trump. And then all of Ukraine, essentially, was given up by Biden, because what do they have left? You know, with all the shooting, all the rockets, every city is being leveled. What are they going to have? There's no win here for anybody. There's no win. This should have never been allowed to start. It would have 100% never started if we didn't have a rigged election. Would have never started in a million years. We had $1.87 per gallon gasoline. Think of that, $1.87. Energy independence, and soon we were going to have energy dominance. We were going to be, we were going to be bigger than Russia and Saudi Arabia combined by a lot. We were on the way, going to be very, very soon. We were leaving Afghanistan with dignity and strength, not surrendered death, and leaving $85 billion worth of beautiful, brand new equipment giving it to the enemy. You know, they're a tremendous arms dealer right now. They sell, they're selling mostly, because how much do they need? They don't need that. 
So they're selling it there. The biggest arms dealer, in many ways, I understand, on many of the charts, they are number one. Think of it, $85 billion worth of brand-new stuff, helicopters, planes, goggles, everything. Well, it's a terrible thing. We had completely — I believe that was the lowest point in the history of our country, the way we got — I was the one that got it down to 2,000 soldiers. But we were going to keep Bagram. Bagram is this great air base that was built many years ago at a cost of billions and billions. But we weren't keeping it for Afghanistan. We're keeping it because it's one hour away from where China makes their nuclear weapons. And we left in one night. Everybody was gone. They left the lights on. Think of it. The lights were all left on. The dogs were left behind, by the way, for those people that like dogs. But we left — and they don't like dogs. You know that. They don't like dogs. They don't like them at all. But think of it. Just think of it. Billions and billions of dollars it took to build it years ago. And now China is going to occupy it very shortly, if they don't already. We had a completely rebuilt military with the addition of Space Force. First time in 78 years that that's happened after Air Force. We had the Air Force was the last, and now we have Space Force. And that's going to prove to be a very important uh, group of people. And that's exactly what it's going to be. You know, they smiled when they saw it. They came in. You saw that. The young woman with the very red hair who's now working for MSDNC. You saw that, right? And she said, Space Force, and she started laughing. And the military just excoriated her. There was nothing funny about it. And now everybody's admitting it was so important because Russia and China were way ahead of us in space, but they're not anymore. We had the biggest tax cuts and regulation cuts ever, the history of our country. And we had historic job numbers, 164 million people, and so much more. We did so much more. Even right to try. You know what that is? You're terminally ill. We gave a person the right to try new techniques, new things, new medicines. And many, many people are now alive and well because of right to try. They didn't have to go to Asia. They didn't have to go to Europe, all over the world, or go home if they had no money and die. Right to try. They've been trying to get it for 56 years. And we got it done. Passed, actually. We got it passed. Not as easy as you think. Sounds easy, but the drug companies didn't want it because they didn't want it on their record. The country didn't want it because they didn't want to get sued. Many different things. We got everybody to sign waivers, and we have it now, and uh, we're saving thousands of lives. It's incredible what's happened. And what it is doing is telling the drug companies, frankly, upfront and personal, whether or not something works, right? So it's, a, it's an amazing thing. But as a candidate, I was proud to receive the earliest endorsement in the entire history of the NRA. I tell you what, that was a very important thing. That was like getting into a great college. You say, boy, that feels good. Everybody wanted it. Don't forget, we had a total of 18 people running. And uh, your leadership, and which I very much appreciated, Wayne and everybody else, they, uh, they said, uh, we really like Trump. And that was before we were very much enmeshed in the campaign. People weren't sure how that was going to work out. But I can tell you, it worked out very well for the NRA. So we appreciated it. We appreciated the endorsement very much. And we got it the second time, too. We got 12 million more votes the second time. How about that? Somebody said, how did you do the second time compared to the first? Well, we did much better the second time, which is true. We got many more. We did. 
We got we got many more votes the second time than we did the first, but we got we got two of them. And uh, if we do this again, we hope we're going to get a third. Okay, that I can tell you. Thank you, thank you to the leadership. Thank you. And as your president, I was proud to be the best friend that law-abiding gun owners have ever had in the White House. So we've been giving that. Given that credential, over four incredible years, we appointed nearly 300 federal judges to interpret the laws and the Constitution as written, including three great new Supreme Court justices. When the radical Democrats tried to use COVID to shut down gun stores during the pandemic, even as left-wing rioters burned down cities, I designated gun and ammunition retailers as critical infrastructure, kept those stores open. I canceled the Obama administration's exploitation of Social Security data to deny Americans their gun rights without due process of law, which was a big deal at the time. We ended Obama's enormous abuse of power known as Operation Choke Point under which government bureaucrats pressured banks to cut off services to firearms and the firearms industry. And we are optimistic that in the weeks to come, the Supreme Court will issue landmark rulings affirming that your rights to self-defense does not end when you step outside of your front door. And I think very importantly, as president, I stood up for America's hunters and fishers and sportsmen like no administration since Teddy Roosevelt. He was good also, I will say. We expanded access to 1.4 million acres of public lands for hunting, fishing, and recreation. We gave the American people their land back. It was taken away by government. And we stopped the Obama-era regulatory assaults on hunting, trapping, ammunition, and fishing gear. Everyone here today is united by one incredibly powerful bond. We're all citizens of the United States of America, the greatest country in the history of the world. But we're not, but we're not so great anymore. We're going to make it great. We're going to make it greater than ever again. Greater than ever again. Right now, Right now, we're not respected by other parts of the world, the leaders of the world. We're not respected. We've never been in a position like this. And I think it started with the border, but I actually really think it started more with the horrible surrender that we had in Afghanistan. Remember, I spoke with the head of the Taliban and some of the fake news that is here today with us. Pleasure. Why is he speaking to the Taliban? Why? You know, when they asked Jesse James, why do you rob banks? He said, because that's where the money is, right? <laughs> why do I speak to the Taliban? And I did. I spoke to Abdul, who's still the leader of the Taliban. I said, in a very nice way, don't ever kill any of our people. 18 months we went, 18 months we went without one American soldier being killed until that tragic, tragic day. And I think that's actually what convinced Putin to go into Ukraine, when he saw what was happening, when he saw the gross incompetence of what took place during that short period of time in Afghanistan, I think that's when he decided to go in. But he would have never done it. It's our citizenship that protects our birthright, our freedoms that belong to every American of every race, religion, color, and creed, no matter who we are or what 
our background in America is we have the right to freedom of speech. We have the right to freedom of assembly, freedom of association, free and fair elections. And we have the right to very, very strong and powerful borders. I used to say, without borders, we don't have a country. Now I say, without borders and proper elections, we don't have a country. We have a right to religious liberty. We have a right to the full, fair, and impartial rule of law. But also, we can never forget that we have a right to our Second Amendment, which is under siege. But we will prevail. We will prevail. As our Bill of Rights says in those clear and immortal words, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. In times of hardship, crisis, and turmoil, these core American freedoms have always been attacked by those who wish to turn citizens into subjects and take more power for themselves. But thankfully, our nation has always been blessed with Americans like you. You're incredible Americans in this room. Patriots who know that our rights are given up. If we let somebody do the wrong thing, it's very simple. It's very precious. But we live by the hand of Almighty God, and that no government can ever be taken away from us. More than 150 years ago, the NRA was born out of the idea that ordinary citizens should be prepared to defend these incredible liberties. And throughout the generations, that is exactly what Americans have done. Over the decades, tens of millions of people, moms and dads, grandfathers and grandmothers, farmers and factory workers, nurses and teachers, soldiers and lawmen, have been proud, CAD. And you know this, they have been so proud. I see it all the time. People show me their card. Here it is. They've been very proud, card-carrying members of the NRA. Sir, I have my NRA card. I say, okay, good. What else is new? <laughs> you got a lot of people out there. He has his Trump card. Thank you very much. <laughs> you got a lot of people out there with that card. It's very important. And during that time, you have been led by a legion of American legends from great General Ambrose Burnside, who you know, to the great American hero, Ulysses S. Grant, and of course, that fearless patriot, the late great American icon, Charlton Heston, great movie actor, great movie star. Down throughout history, time and time again, hardworking citizens like you have answered the call to save American freedom. And now, together, we are going to save American freedom once again. We have no choice. We're going to have to do it again. Because right now, we don't have American freedom. We are going to preserve our heritage. We are going to defend our rights. We are going to protect our communities, protect our schools, and protect our precious children. We are going to secure our liberties for ourselves and for every future generation. In 2022, we are going to vote for tough, on-crime, pro-Second Amendment candidates in record numbers. Get out and vote. Make sure the voting is honest, by the way. Together, we're going to take back the House. We're going to take back the Senate. And in 2024, we are going to take back that great and beautiful White House that we love and cherish so much.
And then we're going to make America safer, freer, richer, stronger, prouder, and greater than ever before. To the incredible patriots, people of Texas, God bless you and God bless America. Thank you very much. Great honor. Thank you. President Trump over in uh, Texas at the NRA um, convention. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and kick that music off so there's no problem. <laughs> um, but thanks for being here today, guys. We got we have some stuff we still need to get to here today. So uh, we'll probably finish it up here in about uh, 15 minutes and we'll get to the re- remaining uh, breaking news of the day before you guys go enjoy and memorialize the weekend, indeed. Hey, Robin, thanks for being here today. God bless you. Good stuff from President Trump today, no doubt about it. He was he was a top-notch speech, really. That's really why I wanted to hear it. I'm glad we got a chance to thank you for the reminder that that was going on today. I appreciate that very much. Let's uh, let's wrap straight to into uh, checking in with you guys. See how you guys are doing out there today. Uh, several great patriots joining us. Uh, new new uh, to the channel. Thanks for being here today, guys. I really appreciate that. It's uh, it's a labor of love. We're going on year four of uh, of a family atmosphere, just kind of hanging out and uh, trying to get through the news and trying to talk about what's really going on out there. So um, thanks for being here today. Um, Because Race Car and Kate Speaks, thank you guys very kindly. Comfortably Numb, also thank you for the resub. Uh, Miss Talena, happy for pause. And O-Town Girl, thank you for the new follows over there on Twitch. We appreciate you guys very much. I hope you guys have a great weekend. We're going to get to some, some news here real quick, so stand by real quick. Uh, Pterodactyl says, fix 2020. Man, I hope so. We're seeing... Step by step of Amanda's the wheel of justice move too freaking slow. Am I wrong? It is uh ridiculous. Uh Politius uh show on Monday. Um uh you know what? That's a good question. Um, babe, do you work on Monday? <laughs> yeah, the wife works on Monday, so I will probably I probably will just be hanging out here doing stuff. Um, let's call it tentative, but most likely we'll do a show on Monday. At least at the very least, maybe we'll just hang out. Maybe we can watch 2000 mules or something like that. Uh, Hey, Denise, not a problem. Thanks. uh, Thank you for hanging out with us today. Uh, we were talking about, um, uh, Durham right before, uh, president Trump went live there. Uh, so I wanted to, first of all, I wanted to highlight, uh, president Trump's words there. Uh, the existence of evil is why we should arm law-abiding citizens. He also referenced the court case that we covered yesterday. If you guys noticed, that was pretty interesting. Um, That case is going to be going before the Supreme Court, I believe, next term, and it may uh, make all gun laws unconstitutional. Uh, That's why you're going to see the left be reeing like crazy. Take the day off. You know what? I could use a day off. That is, I'll be honest with you. Maybe I could go out to the land and do some stuff. Let's uh, let's play it tentative. Maybe I'll do an IRL stream. That'd be fun. We could just kind of hang out. Um, Maybe go for a walk in one of the local parks or something like that. Maybe we'll do something like that, uh, test the gear, make sure everything's good to go. Uh, so maybe something like that, maybe something different on Monday. Uh, so stand by, check out the True Social and uh, Telegram. Uh, take, check out all the links and make sure you're staying. Uh, I always post on there, you know, what's going on. So, But uh, all right, let's hop to uh, the remaining, what the world? All of my, all of my uh, settings are just a disaster right now, so I apologize for my screen stuff here. Let me fix this. 
All right, there we go. All right, let's get to the delivery. I got about uh, eight links up here that I wanted to make sure got covered today, so let's hop straight to those. Uh, a great article by Margot Cleveland on why Sussman probably won't be indicted. Um, very interesting, so if you missed that, we, we started the show off with that earlier today. Uh, dirty political trick. Bill Barr says Hillary Clinton guilty of sedition uh, in an interview that's going to be aired t- this weekend, so just watch for that. Um, Blaze TV podcast with uh, Glenn Beck. He said, quote, I thought we were heading into a constitutional crisis. I think whatever you think of Trump, the fact is that the whole Russiagate thing was a grave injustice. It appears to be a dirty political trick that was used first to hobble him and then potentially to drive him from office. Barr said in an upcoming episode of Glenn Beck's Blaze TV contest, adding, I believe... It is seditious. It was a grave injustice, and it hurt the United States in many ways, including what we're seeing in Ukraine these days. It distorted our foreign policy and so forth, he continued, while warning that those charges would be difficult to prove in court. And as we all suspect, these scumbags are awfully good at stealing from the cookie jar. You know what I'm saying? Massive Arizona election fraud update. Guillermo Fuentes was originally set to plead not guilty, but was as a result of the 2000 Mules movie. If you haven't seen that yet, 2000mules.com or .org, I believe it is. Other Mules outing her. The high-powered DNC lawyers knew she was screwed. Now she's accepted an AG's plea deal and will plead guilty on June 2nd and hopefully give up the goods two minutes from about this story. Canceled right around the time 2000 Mules came out. I thought there was evidence against this guy. We were actually in court the day of. She uh, obviously at the time was pleaded not guilty and wanted to take it to trial. After we got done with the 2000 Mules, a few days later, um, she tated her uh, plea two days before her court. So instead of going to trial and saying not guilty, the plea itself, it's changed. She took the plea bargain for the attorney general that now officially is June 2nd, which is this upcoming Thursday, that she'll be in trial just to say, I plead guilty, I take the plea. So uh, originally there was a, there was two cases previously. So uh, Alma Juarez, which is the neighbor of Guillermo Fuentes, mm-hmm. she was indicted and she took a plea bargain and she is now the state witness that turned over on Guillermo Fuentes. Ah. So Fuentes was an elected official, was also the ex-mayor of San Luis, Arizona. She was the one that was caught with uh, her hand in the cookie jar. What party affiliation, real quick? I mean, she ran for mayor. Uh, You have to claim a party. Just wondering, what party? uh, Democrat. Okay. So from there, uh, like I said, she had a year and a half of high-paid, high-crimes lawyers out of uh, Phoenix. So she had a total of three lawyers plus a local one, all paid by the DNC to Mm. uh, stay away from this so it's not to the public. But when the 2000 Mules came out, it kind of just broke broke the D- DNC. They just said, you want, let it go. We're not going to keep spending money for it to be already out there. So 2000 mules, true to the vote, they put a lot of pressure on elected officials, a lot of law enforcement that weren't willing to stick up. And it counts legislatures here in Arizona. So we, I give them the thanks for the push because, you know, they put their time, their resources, budget of financials that our community didn't have to help secure uh, more information and help uh, with a joint task force to get these ladies. And there's much more to come. 
much more to come. And boy, do we still have a long way to go with restoring uh, our Constitution. And that's why we're in this fight. That's why everyone is, is concerned about what's happening out there. And that's why great patriots on the ground are doing what they can. Uh, 40 seconds from... Davos, the left didn't eat the rich. The the rich ate the left. An opinion from Raheem Kassam written today. It's a pretty good article that I'm probably not going to have time to get to, but I did want to at least play uh, this section from the World Economic Forum, 40 seconds from them today, and another article op-ed on that as well. Stand by. Means ...to improve the states of the world. But two conditions are necessary. The first one is that we act all as stakeholders of larger communities, that we serve not our only self-interests, but we serve the community. That's what we call stakeholder responsibility. And second, that we collaborate. And this is what we're up against. Somebody once asked me, who is the enemy? The enemy is these stakeholders that are involved in the World Economic Forum and the attempt to take over the world via a one world government. They are the one that are imposing this stuff on us right now. And that's why we're going through what we're going through. Op-ed, this weekend's uh, this week's elites in Switzerland set the stage for a cashless society and a one-world government. That is exactly what they're attempting. Steve Miller with a great article in the Western Journal today. If uh, if you want this link, I'll drop it out there for you guys. But since we uh, interrupted with, with President Trump's speech at the NRA today, I'm not going to really be able to spend time on these. But those of you that are aware of what the truth is of the World Economic Forum, that's exactly what it is. A cashless society where you have... Um, a social credit score, and that social credit score depend, is, is dependent on how um, subservient to the government's powers and forces that you are. It is already in place in, in China. They're now implementing it in, in uh, Ukraine, and they're going to continue to push for it around the rest of the world unless we all stand up together regardless of political affiliation. Yuma County School Board member set to plead guilty for the 2020 election ballot trafficking crimes exposed in 2000 mules. That's what we just talked about. There is the indictment here. And uh, this, this article by um, gateway pundit was a reminder for me to talk about it. Uh, Red pill 78. Zach dropped me this one last night. Five Wisconsin cities facing lawsuits over unmanned voting drop boxes. We have talked about this on the channel several times with regards to what the Thomas More society is doing here in Wisconsin. We were given a heads up that, uh, the case that was started in Racine then moved to Madison and now has expanded to five different cities, Green Bay, Kenosha, Madison, Milwaukee, and Racine will face uh, lawsuits for the re- their use of drop boxes, which are prohibited by Wisconsin law and happened in the most recent uh, primary election. So uh, more is happening on that front. This lawsuit is with regards to uh, Center for T- uh, Tech and Civic Life, CIDL, which is directly tied with Mark Zuckerberg. And so... Uh, hopefully the Thomas More Society in this lawsuit uh, continues to move forward in the very least, right? Exposes what the hell's going on there. Resign Eric Prudick, uh, Pruitt Anke, superintendent of schools. Parents Against Indoctrination have, have started a petition that I wanted to share with you guys. Do me a favor, please. Pretty please do your digital soldier duty. Grab this link out there real quick and do me a favor. Send it far and wide. This guy had a trans dance thing that without the permission of parents and then continues to just kind of shove it in the face of parents because well you know how this stuff goes school boards freaking protect these these uh mentally ill scumbags and then parents have to try to stand up right now these people are trying very hard 
to get this scumbag exposed. Do me a favor, grab that link, share it far and wide, and and share the story about this uh, scumbag and help get this guy what he deserves. A woman armed with a pistol kills a man who fired a rifle into a crowd during a party. This is what President Trump was talking about earlier today, and this happened yesterday when all of a sudden somebody with a AR-15 style rifle started shooting into a party, and an armed patriot, law-abiding citizen, defended the lives of others, and that's why gun laws in America will always continue to be strong, and they will always lose on that argument. Jury finds how to murder your husband author guilty of murdering her husband. The accused authored a blog on the reasons for and the means to stealthily kill one's husband. Years before, Nancy Crampton Brophy, 68 years old, allegedly murdered her husband. She reportedly penned an essay titled How to Murder Your Husband. And now she's going to jail. Uh, I I don't even want to... if you want this, let me know. I'll have it. I'll put it up on social media. But if you're into that kind of drama stuff, it's, it is kind of interesting, actually. ACLJ obtains new memo in State Department lawsuit unveiling unreported Obama era officials secret meeting with Iran's Zarif during the Trump administration. We were talking very often, and there are several cue posts about why was Barack Obama shadowing President Trump during his administration. He was, if you were paying attention during that time, you realize that Barack Obama would, would weeks before President Trump's scheduled visit to world powers across the world, Barack Obama would visit and, you know, push the globalist agenda, make sure people are understand, understand what the world economic master, what the world economic forum masters expect of them. And that is how what has been happening. That's what we're seeing. We're seeing a shadow government um, covertly and sometimes overtly fight each other for power all around the world. Documents shed light on secret U.S. plans for apocalyptic scenarios dating back to the 1950s, preparations for nuclear war and revised after September 11th attacks. The presidential directives are not shown to Congress. An article in yesterday's New York Times talking about P-ADS, P-E-A-D. What are P-ADS? Well, if you've watched the interviews that I've done with Patel Patriot and you've seen the the stuff that he has been putting out there, I meant to try to get to some of that today, but maybe we'll do that next week. He has a new article out. uh, Devolution number 22. So if you haven't seen that yet, check that out. But the theory regarding devolution and or a version of continuity of government that is making sure that our government does not collapse under the guise of an attack by world powers is a very viable theory based on everything that I have studied and many others have studied. Is there any way we can approve it? No, but it is still very interesting to talk about and look at things from the perspectives that there is multiple governments at war with each other right now and it's playing itself out and it will continue to play itself out. And not only that, but it's already over. God wins, and it's going to be a great time in the future. We just have some things we have to work out in the meantime. So that's what you're watching happen in real time right now. Checking in with FCCED as we wrap up the show here today. Thanks for joining us here today. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Don't forget to honor Memorial Day. There's nothing happy about Memorial Day. Please honor Memorial Day. We left off last yesterday and this week with KPMG, uh, a find over Rolls-Royce audits, Chicago area mayor, uh, part of the Madigan Mafia, 
uh, guilty in a red light camera scheme. And also uh, Nigeria's accountant general suspended over $80 billion fraud. A lot of those tie into this kind of scheme that's been going on around the world of money laundering and criminality that has been destroying our world for too long. Checking in with the um, uh, Department of Justice to see if they figured out how to do justice. Operators of Key West labor staffing company sentenced to prison for tax conspiracy. Former Marine pleads guilty to cyber stalking a young woman in a sex torsing campaign. Man sentenced to transnational cyber crime enterprise and three Kentucky correctional officers indicted for assaulting inmates and attempting to cover it up. We left off yesterday with former Mississippi Deputy Warden pleading guilty to assaulting an inmate at Partsman Prison. And there we go, getting it, pretty much getting it all in today. Everyone over there the foxhole.app 8849 gold pills today lone star dropping a fleet on me i hope you have a great memorial day weekend as well thank you guys for your support love and prayers as always i appreciate you guys very much thank you for hanging out with me for another quick two hours we'll be back maybe on monday for like an irl or slash just regular stream we'll try to figure out something to do on monday and then back at it into a normal schedule tuesday next week as the durham case wraps itself up we expect to hear more on that as well on tuesday Everyone over there on Twitch, thanks for joining us here today. I appreciate you guys very much. Donaha, Magley, Kate Speaks, uh, Because Race Car, and Chingle Bear, Comfortably Numb, all you guys, Andy Social over there, thank you guys for the love, support, and prayers. I appreciate you guys very much. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Spend time with family. Put it all down. Get away from it all. Turn your phone off and just enjoy the weekend. And with that, I want to say much love and God bless you all. Thank you for joining me every day today as you do every day. We'll see you guys back here potentially on Monday, but worst case, Tuesday. I'll let you guys all know for sure. God bless you all. Have a great weekend. No, Treat the word impossible as nothing more than motivation. Relish the opportunity to be an outsider. Embrace that label. Being an outsider is fine. Embrace the label because it's the outsiders who change the world and who make a real and lasting difference.